0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark. Denmark likes the country, aka Copenhagen, aka Denny And this episode is brought to you by Eat Drink sleep, And since sports never stop, since sports never sleep, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good day. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, again, the one and only Anthony Denmark. Denmark like the country. And although we regularly schedule our show every Tuesday and Thursday due to a power outage, we went ahead and did the show today special just for you on Friday. Countdown to kickoff, of course, we discussed the latest happenings in the world of college sports, which of course means that we have a lot of things to talk about. We're going to discuss and preview the latest action uh, upcoming this Saturday. we got a lot of great games on tap. We're also going to talk about the decisions that a lot of college athletes are now being forced to make. Of course, if in fact you were not living under a rock, you are more than aware of the incidents that took place in Charlotte and the incidents that took place in Tulsa. And regardless of how you feel about the situation, we have noticed that athletes either due to their own fruition or by force have now been had to make a statement. This entire week we've heard statements from pro athletes. We've seen stances by the WNBA. We've even witnessed high school players making statements. Prior to that, we saw college coaches also make statements. And so each Saturday, I find myself wondering, you know, which college athlete will make a statement. Because at this particular juncture, we can all but assume that it's going to happen. The only question is what program, what coach, and what what game will it happen at? Earlier today, uh, Wisconsin Badger, probably preseason All-American, Nigel Hayes, gave his input, his thoughts about the situation. And it made me, again, quickly wonder, you know, just like we're aware of the things that are taking place in this country, they are too. And so it's definitely something that I know that I will be watching, and I'm more than sure that my listeners also will be captivated to see not just the action on the field, but also see what actions take place in a regard- in lot of these situations off the field during the Pledge of Allegiance, during the National Anthem. But it's uh, always something compelling and always something definitely interesting to watch. Now, of course, uh, we have a great batch of college football games on tap today. I've kind of broken the games down into the hot seat games and the almost hot seat games and the trap games. Uh, earlier Thursday, uh, we saw that Clemson passed the trap game test with flying colors, uh, easily uh, being Georgia Tech, which, of course, was not supposed to be a surprise, although Clemson had not won it in Atlanta since 2003, uh, they definitely uh, reminded us that, yeah, you know, they actually are dynamic on offense. And maybe what took place against Troy and maybe what took place against Auburn was just, I don't know. I still don't know what that was. Uh, but, nevertheless, we do know that there are some teams that are going to be uh, facing track games this Saturday. And one of those teams is a darling a team that was mentioned during the preseason as being a dark horse Pac-12 contender and also a dark horse playoff contender. And unlike Tennessee, which has looked anything but impressive, uh, that team out west, uh, led by a guy by the name of Chris Peterson, he has the Washington Huskies at least looking good in the games that they're supposed to win. But, you know, they have a track game themselves as they, of course, take on the Arizona Wildcats. And, of course, throughout the infancy of the season, many have said, myself included, have questioned the legitimacy of Washington because they really haven't played anybody. And it's good good and easy to uh, look impressive against teams like Portland State, but it's definitely something different when you're actually able to do it against a team that actually fields Division One athlete to uh, actually uh, have the same size, height, and measurables as the team on the other side of the ball. Well, they finally get an opportunity. Well, almost. They, of course, have a trap game, like I said before, as, of course, this Saturday during Pac-12 after dark, uh, they take on, no, actually it's at 730, but nevertheless, it's still going to be dark. As they take on Arizona, who, of course, look downright dreadful. The last time I saw them play, they actually struggled against the mighty Grambling State, you know, that team, that HBCU program that, of course, is always good for the fans but never good for the football. Uh, But nevertheless, you know, uh, this series is also quite compelling as the home team has made no record. But, you know, Washington has a big game coming up, not this Saturday but next Saturday. And uh, just like I warned my listeners during my Tuesday show, that you can't be caught looking ahead. And we saw that Clemson passed that test remarkably. Now we get to find out if, in fact, Washington, now with expectations higher, will they find themselves looking ahead for their next matchup against Stanford? Stanford, of course, although, you know, Christian McCaffrey put up 230 yards all-purpose, you know, even know they're not going to blow out many teams besides Iowa. So you say to yourself, you know, that is to be the game that's ultimately may possibly determine who, in fact, wins the Pac-12. Because let's be honest, man, we say that the Pac-12 is supposed to be the deepest conference, but I think it's the deepest conference with the largest collection of average teams and two teams who have yet to be really challenged. And so we really don't know where Stanford, where Washington at this particular point, so we're going to get a chance to find out that next Saturday, but before they can get to that, they actually have to take care of business this Saturday. Uh, but we're going to talk, uh, have a guest come on, uh, Jack Coleman. He actually writes for uh to find out, uh, you know, what's going on with these Washington Huskies, because one thing we do notice Very quickly about college football, this is definitely the West Coast bias is alive and well. It seems as if, if in fact, the game comes on after 10, everybody else on the East Coast have either one moved on, gone to sleep, or probably gotten so drunk that they probably had no time to really focus on what took place out on the West Coast, because there's a lot of dynamic things happening on the West Coast, and it seems as if people... Learned their lesson last season, so they are always aware of what Christian McCaffrey does. But Christian McCaffrey is not the only dynamic player out West. You know, the NCAA leading rusher right now uh, is uh, Donnell Pumphrey from San Diego State, who's breaking every last record that Marshall Falk ever had. Is doing dynamic things as well. And uh, although they do face the Southern Alabama squad that, of course, upset The SEC squad, uh, the first week of the season, uh, Mississippi State. But nevertheless, you know, expectations are that engine is not going to stop and the numbers are going to continue to pile. And although the numbers continue to pile and nobody's paying attention now, the expectation is that the numbers may find themselves becoming so amazing, so jaw-dropping, so that you're just going to have to take notice. Donald Parfrey's been doing great things down at San Diego State, and you do can honestly say that if, in fact, he found himself with the fortunes of being able to play when everybody else wasn't drunk, stupid, or when everybody else had moved on and done something else, then actually this guy would not just be a dark horse. This guy would actually be a prominent household name in college football. So that's definitely something that's been a consequence of everybody not really paying attention to the West Coast. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, we find ourselves paying into close attention to the West Coast for the rum. We find ourselves paying attention to rumors about Coach Clay Hilton at USC. Did he get punched by E.J. Price? Did he not? What's going on with the USC program? I mean, it seems as if there's dissension. Although the USC Trojans right now are currently playing Utah and currently having the lead it is far too early to say this, but it actually seems to be something that reigns true, that, man, USC is playing for its life. Because irregardless of how many wins they have this season, the fact that the stench of being dis- dismembered, humiliated, and humbled by Alabama in such a uh, domineering fashion, is just something that's not going to be forgotten, irregardless of if this team wins 10 games, irregardless of this fact this team finds itself actually making a ball game. The truth of the matter is it seems as if the only thing that we have ourselves paying attention to out on the West Coast is USC coaching problems. Oh, yeah, and Christian McCaffrey. But we do know that since the college football season is, yes, in its infancy, that, of course, we do know that one Saturday or Thursday or Friday in the case of the Pac-12, all those things can really change. As I say in life, as I say in sports, we are definitely going to see what's happening, and, of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Thus far this season, we have found ourselves learning a few lessons. We've learned very quickly that just because you have a lot of returning starters back, it doesn't mean you're good. As, of course, we learned that lesson this past Saturday as Ohio State had the least number of returning starters in college football all of sbs really put a spat down on oklahoma who of course had returning starters in samar jp ryan returning starters and joe i don't i'm trying to think of a nickname the him with Deshaun jackson but joe nixon and baker mayfield but nevertheless all that really demonstrated to us is that returning starters mean absolutely nothing as the returning starters Florida State, which, of course, they return all their starters blown out, dismembered, and downright embarrassed in the state that birthed Muhammad Ali. So we've learned very quickly this season that it doesn't really matter if you have returning starters, because if, in fact, the returning starters have not improved, then you know what? You're just stuck with the same old thing that just so happens to fail to have lived up to expectation the season before, and, Maybe we were just being optimistic, to believe that maybe, just maybe, in the span of a year, that guys were going to actually improve, and we learned that, that that is not always the case. And making that presumption, they say, you know, when you make a, when you assume, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. But of course, you know, that's only week three of the season, and things can change. And although the changes of fortunes of Florida State and Oklahoma seem to be downright horrible at this particular moment. We do know that things can change. Teams can lose, and the the truth of the matter is uh, because of the college football playoff, we know that you don't have to go undefeated anymore. And although, of course, you know teams like Notre Dame and team like Oklahoma have found themselves with two losses, that does not eliminate them from possibly being able to participate in one of those New Year's Six bowl games. But we do know that you can't afford to slip up anymore. What other lessons did we learn? The other lessons that we learned is, of course, that, you know what, sometimes, just sometimes, the hype and the expectations, people deal with those things differently. And, honestly, that's the only explanation that I can give to you in regards to why Clemson has looked as abysmal and as lethargic, and, of course, in winning, but still unimpressive all the same. And, I mean, there's no other way around it. For far too long, Dabo Sweeney has been able to bring his program from the depths of mediocrity by putting a sizable chip on their shoulders saying that they were not, no one believed in them, that no one, doubt, everyone doubted them, that they just could not do it. And they thrived under those particular circumstances. But entering into this season, that chip of not being believed in, the chip of being doubted was no longer present, and instead it was replaced with the expectations of being able to duplicate the success of last season in impressive fashion with everybody back, with Mike Williams back. Because we knew that Brent Venables is always going to be able to produce a great defense, the expectations were higher, higher than high. And although they do find themselves still sitting at 3-0 and and undefeated, it's not really a good-looking undefeated. And we do know that all undefeateds are not the same, just like all one-loss teams are not the same, and just like all two-loss teams, Oklahoma, are not the same. But, you know, one of the things that's awesome about college football is that you have a week to prepare, and just as like the glaring mistakes are so obvious to the fans, they're also a very obvious also to the onlookers and coaches. So we're able to see the team's attempt to try to address those glaring mistakes. So, yes, in, what, eight days, we got a great matchup in Clemson-Louisville. We hope Louisville does not slip up against Marshall, but we are hopeful that um, that's going to be a matchup that's going to live up to all the five-star bills. I will be in Clemson for that game. I'm excited. I'm overjoyed. I was actually in Clemson for the last time that college game day was there, and that's when they took on Florida State, and that game was built up with so much hype, and we saw what happened to Clemson when the hype was as high as. On his home, at his home, it got the dismissed, and downright beat. So how are they going to do with an encore? Now the doubt of them possibly struggling with Georgia Tech is known all but a bitter memory, the expectations is now going to find itself going back and ascending upward. How will Deshaun Watson and the Clemson Tigers now respond? It's going to be interesting because at the start of the season, Deshaun Watson said he not only wanted to be the face of the ACC, he also wanted to be the face of college football. And so it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be quite compelling to see how he deals with the new kid on the block. The new shiny car, the car, of course, I'm referring to is Lamar Jackson. I call him Lamar Heisman because at this particular point, he definitely won the September Heisman. How he has sat performs in October is anyone's guess. But we do know that it's next week is going to be an excellent start. The Clemson Tigers started slow with expectations high, but they still won. But we can honestly begin to say they're 3-0, and Louisville's 3-0 and is definitely not the same. But the winner in the 4-0 battle, or the 5-0 battle, excuse me, assuming Marshall wins, now that will be a testament that tells us a lot, not just about who the face of the ACC is, but also will tell us about where the ACC may find itself in the discussion for the college football playoff series. Now, since our guest is not here yet, you know, your boy Denmark does spout out excellence from time to time. I can go ahead and talk about Washington. Now, at the start of the season, I had my guest come on to talk about Washington. We talked about the explosive uh, potential on the offensive side of the ball. We talked about Gaskin, who, of course, as a beast, who surprised a lot of people, started the season his freshman year last year. As fifth on the depth chart, but due to injuries, it provided an opportunity, and he actually performed remarkably last week. But, again, like I referenced with Deshaun Watson, now with expectations highest, although the offense has been explosive and although the talk and the concern that I mentioned about will Ross and wide receiver be healthy, he, of course, has answered that admirably. The guy, of course, got injured and then came back faster, He's been explosive and then explosive, showing out on his 4.27 speed, and even making it faster by going reducing it to 4.25. But we saw Jake Browning continue to make strides as a, as a passer. He, of course, at this particular point in the season, leads the NCAA in passing efficiency. But, again, it has been against Cream Puff, Prairie Dogs, and Softies. But he's produced nonetheless. Numbers don't lie. At this particular point, he has a 71% passer rating, which is something that I'm more than sure that Joshua Dobbs would definitely dream of being able to have at least once. <laughs> but despite that amazing play, the play of Gaskins has really not been as that impressive. You would have expected that against the cream puff prairie dogs and cottontail tissue, that Gaskins would have put up alarming numbers. But that's definitely something that has not at this particular point, has happened. Now, your reasoning may say, well, that may be because uh, of the strides that Jake Browning has made at at quarterback that that has now allowed them to be able to spread the field more and no longer need to feed the rock to Gaskin." But we do know there comes a time, unless you're Washington State, when you're going to have to run the ball. And his minimal production against inferior opponents really has left a lot to be desired for. But against Arizona, I mean, come on, against Arizona, the expectation at least has now grown to the point where not only is there an expectation for the Washington Huskies to win this game, but also to be able to win in an impressive fashion. Because so at this particular point on the national stage, everybody's already mistakenly presumed that for some reason Stanford is supposed to be the hallmark of the eighth of the Pac twelve. Now of course and that may be largely due to the fact of history and history has indicated to us that hey two things are two things are constant. Death, taxes, and Coach Shaw winning the Pac twelve. And so because of that, we have found ourselves become almost to a degree lazy and not really realizing and identifying the flaws and inefficiencies in the staff team. Yes, they have an explosive player, one of the most dynamic players in the country, and Christian McCaffrey, but really, they don't really have much else. Christian McCaffrey's averaging 35 carries a game, that's a lot. And considering the fact that Stanford, of course, is all out of buys, that's a lot. So the wear and tear of that type of season with that type of offense provides an ample opportunity for another Pac-12 program to find itself rising up to prominence and being able to utilize that lack of bias as an opportunity to be able to beat them. And why not Washington? Washington, of course, has a dynamic defense. I'm not going to try to say the defensive coordinator's name. I call him Coach K. But this guy has done a wonderful job at producing On the defensive side of the ball, last season they led the Pac-12, led the nation in total defense despite the fact that they did not have a lot of their players who, of course, at this particular jumps are actually getting paid to play in the NFL. So that dynamic play calling on the defensive side of the ball has definitely been wonderful. But at this point in the season, it's definitely also been untested. Right now, of course, they've been able to successfully build up impressive stats against cream puffs, prairie dogs, and cotton nail tissue, but the action will quickly change quickly. said so action quickly change quickly. The competition will definitely get much deeper. But you know what? It is always great to be able to have uh, a great secondary. Sidney Jones, of course, like I said, West Coast bias. Everybody's talking about the grill peppers. Everybody's talking But all these other defensive players on the East Coast, they're talking about Humphreys down in Alabama. But nobody's talking about Sidney Jones. Nobody's talking about Buda Baker. Those two guys will, of course, their play may not have gotten noticed by most people, but we do know the NFL scouts are definitely paying attention. It appears at this particular juncture that Washington has has yet another batch of future NFL first-round picks in this backfield on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe I'm presuming. Maybe I'm making a mistake. Maybe I'm – but if, in fact, I'll be doing what everybody else is doing, which, of course, makes me a tad bit nervous. But I don't expect Washington to trip up against Arizona. The biggest question is, will they be able to leave the game healthy? I remember when I had my guest on from Clemson, I said the biggest concern, the biggest concern for Clemson is to be able to play the trap game, to win the trap game, and leave the trap game with everybody healthy. So that may be one of the biggest things to look for in this upcoming game. Uh, Of course, experts are saying the game is not going to be close. We do know that Arizona, their leading tailback, Travis Wilson, is going to be out the game. We do know that Anu Solomon is listed as probable.
1: And although,
0: of course, his play, of course, infuriates all those onlookers who find themselves aligning their allegiance with Arizona, uh, the fact that he's questionable only lets me know that the game is going to be even uglier than expected. But, you know, that's the trap game. So I'm excited to see what happens in that game. But I think the worst thing about it is when you're expected to win, not many people are impressed. People are just going to look at the box score. People are just going to look at the statistics. Because the win is expected, and everybody's starting to go ahead and look forward to week five when uh, Stanford lines up against Washington. And that is going to be the game that I'm looking forward to watch. I'm looking forward to see Christian McCaffrey go out as a receiver, and I'm looking forward to seeing him and Buda Baker make some magic happen. But, again, as I say in life, when it comes to Washington, they pass the trap game? We're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, one of the other things um, that I talked about, I know at times when I talk about college football, I always find myself being a bit optimistic, hoping and praying for the upset. I mean, let's be real. The difference between the NFL and college football is because the upsets happen. Upsets rarely happen in the NFL. I think – The last upset that I could truly remember, you could possibly say it may be a stretch to most, is when the New York Giants beat the New England Patriots who were undefeated to win the Super Bowl. Outside of that, everything is pretty much predictable in the NFL. My impression after the week three season was, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I said that not because I was amazed by Lamar Jackson do his damn thing, or that I was amazed by Jabril Peppers being the most dynamic player in college football at three different positions. It was because it seems as if the excitement and the predictability of college football, the unpredictability of college football, is all but near its end. You may say, why then, Mark? I mean, upsets happen in week one and. Obsessed did definitely didn't happen in week two with Oklahoma State and CNU. Thanks, Russ. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know about you, but after watching Oklahoma and Ohio State, after watching Alabama and Ole Miss, I found myself saying something that I just did not want to say. I found myself thinking about Alabama, and Ohio State in the same way that I think about Golden State and Cleveland, where it appears at this particular juncture that it appears all but inevitable. Just like in the NBA you have 82 games, we all know, we all assume that barring injury that the NBA finals is going to be between who? Cleveland and Golden State. And just based off of the dominant performances of both Alabama and Ohio State, it's hard for me to sit here and watch and attempt to ignore the obvious. Which at this particular juncture, at this point in the season, barring injury, that two slots for the college football playoffs is all but decided, Alabama and Ohio State. And I found myself saying, you know, it seems as if everybody else is just fighting for seeds. Everybody else is really just fighting for a bowl game. Everybody else is just fighting for a contract extension or an attempt to try to save their jobs. Because the butt whooping that Alabama put on USC and the dominant defensive performance that they put on against Ole Miss, uh, well, minus uh, the last two minutes when Ole Miss came back, indicated to me that, man, If this is how good these teams are now, it's it's freaking scary to think about how dominant these teams are going to be 13 weeks from now because the gap between Ohio State and the Big Ten is wide. And I I know you may say, well, Denmark, according to FBI, the Big Ten may be the strongest conference in college football, and, you know, that may be true. We know Wisconsin, we know Nebraska, we know Michigan, and we know my favorite dark horse team, Michigan State, but if you saw the athletes that Ohio State rolled out there, inexperienced athletes, and the dominant performance that they put on against Oklahoma, you're telling me that you don't expect that team to get better? You're telling me, led by a senior quarterback and J.T. Barrett, that, they, that they're somehow going to lose to Michigan? The team they beat 42-13? to 13? Now I know, I know. I know about Michigan. I know about Jabril Peppers. I know about William Spates. But if you saw the Michigan game, I mean, if you really, really, saw the Michigan game. If you just for a moment attempted to try to ignore the box score, the final score of the game, you would actually realize that the only reason Michigan actually may have won that game is because Michigan injured Seco, who was the starting quarterback for Colorado, who was carving him up. When he left the game, Colorado was winning. Quarterback that replaced through zero for seven for the rest of the game. So, yeah, you know, Michigan, I well, mean, look good. Jabril Peppers did his thing, huh? but do you really expect how much can change from a 42 13 ass whooping that took place last season between Michigan and Ohio State? And I know I love, I love Michigan State. Love them. Considering the fact that you don't need to be undefeated. I consider the game between Michigan State to possibly be a draw. So lose to Michigan State, beat Michigan, hello college football playoffs. And for all those people who for some reason assumed that maybe that Ole Miss was going to actually finally find itself pulling a three-peat on Alabama, we of course, myself included, were given a reality check that the gap between Alabama and the SEC is not even close. Now, I know, I know, you may say, well, Arkansas is undefeated. Hey, and uh, Texas A&M's defense has looked much improved, and maybe Joshua Dobbs will actually accidentally become an accurate quarterback. But, come on, y'all. Haven't we seen this before? Haven't we witnessed? Arkansas play a close game against Alabama, yet still lose? Haven't we seen Texas A&M get bludgeoned by Alabama because of their lack of physicality, despite the presence of the future number one pick in the draft and Miles Garrett attempting to do things? We've seen this happen before. And you may say, well, then, Mark, I mean, uh, it's not like Alabama has a fifth-year fifth-year quarterback in JT Bear, but, hey, I mean, haven't we seen Alabama win in spite of their quarterback? Haven't we seen Damian Harris now continue to get stronger as the game gets on? And, hey, I mean, we learned against Ole Miss, hey, I mean, the offense may struggle, but, hey, the defense scores touchdowns. We saw that big man rumble, big man rumble. And we saw the special teams actually contribute something more than field goals in kick sixes. And, of course, Jackson returned. A block return. So you say to yourself, I know for those who do not cheer for those teams, may be begrudging and admitting it, but come on, man. At this point, barring injury, it seems as if saving Meyer five is inevitable. Is inevitable. I mean, what, you think Auburn's going to beat Alabama? What, really? You, you think Arkansas is going to beat Oh, well, maybe somebody out the SEC can do it. I mean, what, what you she going to go with Florida, who, of course, has a dominant defense, but, of course, has questions on offense? you going to go with Tennessee? Come on, now. Come on, now. We saw what Tennessee did against App State. Oh, please don't tell me you're going to utter Georgia. We, we, we saw how they performed against Kentucky. So, seems as if I may not want to admit it, but the two slots in the college football playoffs appear at this point to be all but a lock. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and go further in saying that they're in the national championship game, but we do know that at least for the sake of selling tickets, that at this point, I really would not have think that they would find themselves putting Alabama versus Ohio State in the first round of the college football playoffs. So I mean, uh, it, it, the phenomenon for Lamar Jackson is nice. Hey, it's, it's great. But come on now, how long do you expect it to last? Oh, and you know, Christian McCaffrey's doing his thing. Yay, this day! Oh, but come on now, no buys. Bryce Love, the backup running back, contributing nothing and the workload of Christian McCaffrey only getting heavier and heavier by the day, I, I, I just I just don't see it. I see the rest of college football vying for the last two spots, and, hey, that's what these weeks are for. Maybe Washington is one of those teams, but, hey, the, the jury's still out. Maybe, maybe Michigan State's one of those teams, but the jury is still out. I mean, maybe Houston is one of those teams, but I worry. Ward got injured in a game against Oklahoma, his shoulder still not right, and I say to myself, the type of offense that he runs, can we really expect and rely on, on Ward being healthy throughout the entire season? And of course, if history has shown us anything, it has demonstrated to us that Ward may miss a game, man. If Ward misses the game, despite the dominant defense at this particular point, it's only averaging 1.5 yards per carry, which is crazy. We did see UConn give him an L last season when Ward was unable to play. So that's something to watch. I don't think the Heisman race is going to be determined by Alabama or Ohio State. I think, honestly, the rest of the season is about trying to determine who's going to win the Heisman You know, who's going to lose in the first round to Alabama and Ohio State? But, again, again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, this week, next week, the week after that, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, we are definitely going to see uh, what's up. Now, I always like to create unique, different, catchy settings. Uh, topics for me to talk about and provide some type of musical interview to go with it. Seven years ago, when you said that you were hot, you were supposed to be fly. You were supposed to, being hot was a good thing. But now, being hot's not too nice. So this is our This Is, is Why I'm Hot segment. So, who's hot? Because right now, like I said, being hot is not a good thing. I'm sorry, man, it's from seven years ago. Well, we have a couple games that are coming up this lovely uh, week for the season. Some games that are taking place that are hot. It's hot not because of the weather, it's hot because of the coaching hot season due to the lack of performance based off of these coaches. And one of those games that's taking place is going to be Penn State versus Michigan. It seems like it was a millennia ago when James Franklin was a hot coaching candidate. It seems as if years ago, he was actually the bold coach in the Big Ten. He was actually the first coach to do the satellite camp. But oh boy, oh boy, my oh my how things change. My oh mind how things change. Now Penn State, of course, have been given the scholarship excuse due to sanctions. Uh, But nevertheless, we do know that excuses often have an expiration Now, they're not undefeated. They lost to Pittsburgh, and they take on Michigan. Michigan, of course, took a behind-the-woodshed last season, and right now Michigan's listed as a 17-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. And I say to myself, I'm scared for James Franklin. I'm really scared for him. Because I really worry that the expiration date on those sanctions is all but up. And although, of course, he's done a wonderful job of graduating students and done a wonderful job in regards to at least getting this game to some form of respectability and going, getting, becoming bowl eligible, they're getting whooped and not being able to win a game. He has yet to win a game against the team in the top 25 during his tenure at Penn State. Because losses going to stop him out and the excuses are going to start running out. And the sad to say this, but he doesn't even have to win the game, I believe. Just to be able to have some form of respectability to indicate that his program of practice is improving, he has to actually at least attempt to keep the game closed, which is really lets you know how far Penn State is coming at this particular point. Nobody expects Penn State to win, but it seems as if, like I said, the expiration date on uh, regards to patience for Jane Franklin is all but up. But no not worry, he's not alone. He's not alone. There's another coach on the hot seat, or two coaches on the hot seat, that caused a hot seat bowl taking place between LSU and Auburn. Now, I don't understand this, and I'm going to explain my rationale. For some reason, Gus miles on's on the hot seat, and I don't understand why. It's not like people came into the season expecting the Auburn Tigers to actually win. And if, in fact, Les Miles was did beat Wisconsin. I mean, did we really expect Auburn to win this game? So for some reason now the expectation is for Gus Malzahn to win a game that at the beginning of the season that no one really expected him to win anyway, which means that Gus Malzahn is actually fighting a losing battle. Because if he loses, which I expect him to lose, did we really expect him to win based off of the performance of what Auburn presented last season? Now everybody of course is hanging their hat on the fact that Auburn lost close to Clemson and did get blown out, but did you guys expect Auburn to beat LSU at the beginning of the season? And if in fact the same players such as Leonard Fournette, Malachi Degree, Trayvon Duvall, Adams, and all the other boys out there are playing, why is your expectation changing? Is it because uh Purdue transfer Edling is starting. I mean, I really don't see it because in this particular game, we noticed one thing rather quickly that Gus Malzahn has lost his mojo. The swag and the confidence that he has is, is all but gone. But nevertheless, I mean, I think that although unreasonable, that Auburn's going to find itself with the coach on a hot seat and also find itself in a situation where trying to answer the question of who the hell would want to go to Auburn anyway? Why would you want to go into the same state of Nick Saban, play in the toughest division in college football, and have to live in the shadow of Nick Saban? I I, I just don't see why any coach in his right mind would do that. Have to be a coach full of swag, full of confidence, and hubris beyond control. Nevertheless, you know, maybe things will change. But I expect Auburn to lose this game for some unreasonable reason. I expect Gus Malzahn to find himself on the hot seat yet again. Now, a game that could be hot, UT versus Florida. Why could it be hot? Because everybody started the season on this hype train talking about Tennessee Volunteers. Passing a look test, and since they passed a look test, with everybody having the size, measurables, and speed and all the hype of high school All-Americans, that they are finally able to finally be able to put that off to fruition. If Butch Jones loses to Florida for the 12th time, I think the hot seat is about to start warming up. Because when you have the size, when you have the talent, when you have the experience, you no longer are able to use the excuse of your players being young. I mean, bro, what you going to say now? What's the excuse now? Because after all those guys leave, the cover's going to be there. And then what are you going to use? Young again? Use this as an excuse as an expiration date. But again, maybe feel surprised. I don't expect it. Have very low expectations towards Butch Jones, and that's something I make no secret about. Another coach who could be hot is Mark Helford from Oregon. The jerseys used to be Vogue, You know what I mean? We used to love seeing all the jersey combinations. Going for two you used to be vogue, It used to be awesome when you were winning. So the fact that they're coming out with some uniforms that make them look like ducks, in my opinion, it really is stupid. And they're going against an approving Colorado team, and if, in fact, Ste- Steffo is ready to go, hey, Marques may go ahead, and go ahead and start getting ready to go, too. But, again, maybe, maybe not. We don't know if Royce Freeman is going to be playing. And we know that Oregon's defense is going to be soft as cotton tissue, as I say in life, as I say in sports. We're definitely going to see what's happening. As I bring the show to a close, watch out for UCLA versus Stanford, Josh Rosen, and who else? No Army. The best game of the season of the week I'm looking forward to is Arkansas Champions. Let's bring the show to a close. Thank you for tuning in to Countdown for kickoff. Enjoy the action. I know I will. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in count and the number two and down, one word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us, at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports, and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happens as well.